From the Not A Foodie Studios at Radio Rampa, 6.20 a.m. in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, it's the Not A Foodie Radio Show, the inaugural. 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 So I am Tom Miali, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mike Moranti. Hey, Mike. Hey, what's going on, Tom? So, Mike, since this is our inaugural radio show, why don't we uh, introduce ourselves? Why don't you tell, tell a little bit about who you are and why you have a radio show? Yeah. So my name is Michael Moranti. I'm from Queens, New York. I've been working in restaurants since I'm 16 uh, for a decade now. I started scooping ice cream. I liked it a lot. I got a bachelor's degree in scooping ice cream. <laughs> and then I, uh, I got very lucky. I got an internship with a master sommelier, got to work with some really great restaurateurs, um, some front of house restaurant guy through and through. Nice. I am Tom Miali. I am also from Queens. I did not graduate from Ice Cream Academy like Mike did. Too bad. Um, not everyone can. I've actually, I've actually never worked professionally in a kitchen, but um, years ago I started a blog called notafoodie.com. I write about food. I write about food culture. That turned into a podcast, which then turned into this radio show that we are really proud and honored to be bringing you. So, Mike, Let's talk about what Not A Foodie is. Let's talk about food and food culture and sort of the thought process of or the philosophy of Not mm -hmm. A Foodie. So Not A Foodie is a movement of demystifying. And uh, I, besides that, making it less pretentious. Too. Yes. Because yes. you and I could be very pretentious if we want to be. Yes. I mean, uh, we have the knowledge behind it. But, I have a pinky. I can stick my pinky out yeah, when I drink. That's but, fine. But we want to show how easy cooking really great things is and also how like a great taco stand taco how it can be just as good as a five course tasting dinner i i agree i i think when i started the not a foodie blog it was because i wanted to demystify cooking i it was i wanted to document all of these great recipes that i grew up eating uh, and also use it as a place to research and throw all of my research notes into one place about how to cure bacon, how to make guanciale, how to make a pasta, different things like that. And very quickly, I realized that cooking is not something that people should be afraid of. Um, it's it's really simple. It's really easy to do it correctly and to do it right. And there is no really correct or right or wrong. It's it's experimenting and it's fun with it. And I think that's what Not A Foodie is all about. It's a love of food, but... A um, curiosity of food. A curiosity of food. Being able to eat at the nicest, you know, five-star restaurant in the world, but also appreciating that taco chart or taco cart or um, that dumpling cart in, in the middle of Jackson Heights somewhere. So what's the Not A Foodie radio show going to be about, Mike? Um, the same thing, but we're <laughs> going to have really great guests on. Yes. And we're going to not curse. <laughs> we're going to try not to curse like we do on the podcast. Uh, but we are going to have some great guests. We've got some really fun segments that we're working on. Um, like Mike said, we've got a number of different things that we're going to experiment with on this radio show. We want to hear from you. 
If you have anything that you'd like to hear us talk about, we are at Not A Foodie Show on Instagram, at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter. And you can always email us, info at notafoodie.com. We're going to take a really short break. I promise it's going to be very short. And we'll be right back. So you're listening to the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rampa 620 AM. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking for ways to reach a large, influential cooking and restaurant-loving audience? We've got multiple marketing solutions available. Contact info at notafoodie.com for more information. And we're back. Thanks for joining us, the Not A Foodie Radio Show at 6.20 a.m. Radio Rampa. Mike, thanks for bringing everybody back. That was, that was awesome. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple things that I wanted to talk about. I figured since we are in the new year, it's 2019. This is the first, first show of 2019. Um, the, first, the inaugural show. The ever. inaugural. <laughs> yes. Um, so I wanted to talk about food stories from 2018. Like, okay. what do you think were the biggest stories in the food world in 2018? Um, I think Anthony Bourdain is number one. I, I ab- absolutely agree with you. 100%. I, I think um, because he transcended more than just food or restaurants or media or books. or He was uh, a culmination of so many different things. He brought so many people together. Yeah. He was eating uh, noodles with Barack Obama. In uh, Vietnam, he was, you know, he was doing everything with everyone. Uh, and when he, when he died, when he did what he did, um, the whole, or anyone that had like a small connection to him uh, really felt it. Yeah. Netflix yeah. was going to drop uh, No Reservations and they were like, no, never mind. Like, yeah, we, they we were going to keep They were going to stop. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. lost the licensing for No Reservations and then they spent a lot of money to re-up those um, to get the rights back for no reservations because because of that. Because there was an the, out. All the traffic outcry. that went to it. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I have one minuscule, little, tiny, tiny speck of a Bourdain story like, that, that just like everybody else has these stories. I mean, my story is that I read Kitchen Confidential like so many other people, and I finally found someone who I connected with like on a food level, someone who would appreciate really, really amazing food, but also appreciate the work that goes into um, to food and, and to running a restaurant and appreciate the stories and the social impact that food has and the stories behind people that are making your food. And I, I felt like Kitchen Confidential for me was a book that um, I finally found someone who thought the same way about food as I do. Did you see the episode where he went to Vegas? And they're doing this crazy tasting menu. The like, episode of No Reservations? Yeah. yeah. And he's so, like, awkward in it because yeah. he doesn't know how to deal with, like, food being treated like this because yeah. it's not 
how you, me, him. Right. And it feels trite to put you, me, and him in the same sentence, but But it's that same sort of mentality mentality of putting, putting food up on a pedestal where, yeah, food is amazing and it can be amazing and it can be creative and it can be art. But at, at, at its core, it's just something that nourishes you and it's something that um, that makes you feel good, <laughs> you know? And I think that's that's what he understood. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I agree with you that that is probably the top food story of, um, of 2018. Um, I, I, you know, another, another downer food story of 2018 is um, when uh, I, I think it was early on in the year, Mario Batali decided that he was going to try to come back into the public light a little bit. Oh, God. And with, with oh the cinnamon boy. bun recipe? Yeah, he, that was just a mess. Dude, so do you remember the cinnamon bun I, recipe? I was like, are you, hey, guys, I'm really sorry for what I did. Here, here's a Cinnabon recipe. Yeah, that was, I don't know who the PR team behind that was. Um, and also now April Bloomfield. Um, yeah. She was in the news again because she was saying it wasn't so much her or she didn't want to speak up or this yeah. or that. Well, I think 2018 is the year that the Me Too movement came to food um, and especially food service. In, especially in New York City. Yes. Well, and it it's something that has been a horribly kept secret for years. Like... I mean, I was not shocked at all when I read about, you know, all of these things coming to light. Anyone who ever read, you know, Bill Buford's Heat, which sort of chronicles the rise of Mario Batali, would not be surprised at these allegations that, that came out. He just says it, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's not, it hasn't been a very well-kept secret, in, you know, in the food industry for years, like people know. And, and it's not just one or two people. I mean, it is a problem throughout the whole food industry. And it's good to see that there's some light being finally shined on, on that. Um, anyway, <laughs> do you have, I have, I haven't, I haven't sort of bring me back up. Yeah, food, no, we need that story. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, um, one of my feel good stories of the year, uh, last year is the emergence of chefs as humanitarians. Um, so I, I don't know if you, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I I don't know if you remember the, the Jose Andres, he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. So so do you tell people who Jose Andres is? Jose Andres is, uh, I, I'm actually not sure where he's from. He's not Peruvian, right? No, he's Spanish, isn't he? Uh, I I know China Chilcano's, uh, (laughs) it's a Peruvian Chinese restaurant in DC, but I don't know what his background is. But he's, he's an amazing chef. Yeah. And he is an amazing person and he's been around, you know, for years. Um, you know, he owns some of the best restaurants in the world. Um, and this year after um, Puerto Rico went through the, the tragedy that they went through with all the storms and, you know, and everything and loss of power, Jose Andres very quietly at first and then the press got wind of it, very quietly was making gigantic paellas to feed villages and to feed rescue workers and to feed, you know, whoever. Um, so he just basically flew down to Puerto Rico and just started cooking for people. And he had to bring his own stuff too, because there's nothing in Puerto Rico right now. Right. Puerto there, Rico was, there was nothing in, there. Yeah. Fat, Fat Joe was br- taking private planes down with stuff that he yeah. was funding himself. I know other people who, who did that as well. Um, people at, uh, at various firms where they had offices down there were chartering private planes just to bring stuff down. But Chef Jose Andres was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize this year because 
of his humanitarian work just around national disasters. I mean, I think he did the same thing in Houston as well. After the flooding there, he went there and just he cooks giant paellas for people. And and right now with the government shutdown, he tweeted, he said, uh, any government worker come to my restaurant for lunch at like 12 to 2 every day and we'll get feed your sandwich. Just, so, like, uh, so that that's one really awesome story. Um, the other really awesome story of of a chef as a humanitarian is Guy Fieri. Like <laughs> Guy 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 Fieri. What Fieri? Fieri. <laughs> but that's the thing. Guy Fieri, very very quietly under the radar, has been feeding people whenever there's a national disaster or a natural disaster someplace or. Um, you know, for example, the, the wildfires in California, Guy Fieri like rolls up in a food truck and just feeds rescue workers, feeds firefighters and and it's just there and doesn't look for the fanfare. And, you know, you, you know what else he does, though, like literally his job is to take to show America all these small spots that you would never know exist and yeah. family owned restaurants that need every dollar they can make. And he puts them on a national stage. Yes. So, like, say what you want about Guy Fieri's restaurants, but his show and what it actually does and accomplishes is really incredible. So, I, I say 2018 was the, the year that Guy people, people just need to stop <laughs> hating on Guy Fieri. Like, uh, you could be a food snob as much as you want, but you're not out there feeding firefighters from your food truck with donkey sauce or whatever he makes, what he calls his crazy okay. stuff. Deep fried meatballs. Flavor Town. <laughs> it's Flavor Town is what it is. So 2018 is the year we recognize Guy Fieri for who he is. Give me some predictions for 2019. What do you think is going to happen in 2019? Um, I think even more Asian food. Okay. Uh, so like Japanese food, Korean food's big. I, Thai food's been big for a very long time. I think you're going to see like Vietnamese food get bigger, uh, Laotian, just and food from all over Southeast Asia. I think mm-hmm. with flights getting as cheap as they are now, more people are traveling over there. And really appreciating it. And I think you have enough young chefs, especially with uh, uh, children of immigrants who have now have a platform where they can cook their family's food and really show it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think uh, the avocado dies. <laughs> I I don't think I would go that far. Not, but I not think... dies, but I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I feel like it's just been long enough now. Oh, my God. The price of avocados have just – it's skyrocketing. Like, like, it's insane. Like, Adrian Beltre is retiring, and I'm retiring the avocado. <laughs> what, so what do you think? What, what's going to replace the avocado? Any idea? Uh, no. no who knows? Daikon radish toaster? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, no, it's still going to be there, but it's not going to be on everything. Right, right. No, I, uh, I think – I think bacon had that moment a while back. Yeah, and sriracha. You know, and then bacon and sriracha. Hopefully avocado dies. Um, my big prediction is that you're going to start to see a lot more CBD ingredients in things. Um, I think that you're already seeing it. There are some crazy federal regulations that just happened that don't that, that makes it very legal or puts it in a very hazy place to sell CBD. There's nothing, there's no like medical, proven medical benefits. It's just this weird sort of thing that's associated with marijuana, but is not. It's associated with cannabis, but it's not. And um, it's, 
I, it's becoming super trendy. Do you do you see the the pet CBD stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's there's like balms for your dog that contain honey. CBD. There's honey CBD like straws that you can buy for your yeah. dog. But I think that it's become this trendy ingredient, and just like you see with. Do you think you know, CBD is the new avocado? I don't are think we gonna, CBD are is you the getting new CBD toast? No, 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 no. But I do, I do, I predict that this year you're going to see some mainstream company make CBD, some mainstream fast food company Wendy's. make a CBD drink or a CBD fries or I don't know something. Is with there CBD. an age restriction on it? Um, I don't think there is. I don't think there is. But I think you'll see someone come out with something that's CBD. There's CBD cocktails. Well, you think of fast food restaurants. Yeah, there's there's plenty of CBD cocktails. And you think, of the, like, the way that this all works is that you start with the trendy places, and then it, end up, it ends up working its way down. It's like, you know, fashion. You start off on the runway with some ridiculous outfit that works its way down to, you know, the Old Navy somewhere, like, eventually. And I think that's going to happen with CBD. I think that there is going to be, a you know, a CBD drink. Maybe it's a shake. Yeah, no, Maybe CBD like, milkshakes. Yeah, done. CBD milkshakes. Um, you know, it, it'll do like what White Castle did with the impo- for the Impossible Burger, the you know the vegan. Meat. So, in Harlem, mm-hmm. the first day that they did the Impossible Burger, the mm-hmm. White Castle sold out. Yeah, it's sold. It's selling out all over the place. People just want to try it. Yeah, like, and it's good. Yeah, it's a good burger from what I you know from what I understand. Oh, you've never had one. I've never had one. No, I know not. I haven't had it from White Castle, but I've had the. I've the, had the yeah. Impossible meat, but I haven't had uh, the Impossible White Castle burger. I like my. White Castle, you know, stinky and yeah. gross and awesome. I'm going to White Castle for like one reason oh, and one reason only. Yeah. I mean, I might have to go to White Castle right after this because I haven't talked this much about White Castle in a long time. Uh, <laughs> any more predictions for 2019? Uh, White Castle stock <laughs> shooting up. <laughs> after a mention on the Not A Foodie radio show, White Castle stock skyrockets. <laughs> um, I, yo, so I something in 2018... Uh, which it's just been rising. Uh, the female chef. Yes, long overdue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've worked for Mina Newman, who's an incredible female chef. I worked with Missy Robbins uh, when I was an intern at Cork Buzz, um, and they're they are awesome. So, 2018 was the year of Guy Fieri and the female chef. <laughs> <laughs> I think Guy Fieri would be like, no, female chef. Like, yeah, I do. I mean, the Guy Fieri's the, like, I'm, I, I'm a closet Guy Fieri fan. Guy, if you're listening. <laughs> the guy, we're looking for guests for the, for the radio show. So, so come on, come on. We invite you to Greenpoint Studio, Greenpoint Brooklyn to come to Radio Rafa. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to the Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rafa 620 AM. Also, if you have ideas, if you have predictions for 2019, DM us at... Way to call that out. The Not A Foodie Show. At Not A Foodie Show. At Not A Foodie Show on Instagram. Let us know. We'll talk about it next weekend. Yep. Just let us know. What What are your food predictions for 2019? Also, if you are Guy Fieri and you want to DM us, that's that's how you would do it. Slide into those DMs, Slide guys. into the DM, at Not A Foodie Show on Instagram and Twitter. All right, we'll, we'll be back, back in a bit. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking for ways to reach a large, influential cooking and restaurant-loving audience? We've got multiple marketing solutions available. Contact info at notafoodie.com for more information. And we're back.
Thanks for tuning in with us, the Not a Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. So, Tom. Yes. We were discussing weekly segments. Yeah. And we both like to, you love to cook. I like to cook. We both love to eat. Yes, So uh, this segment is called, What Did You Cook and or Eat This Week? Everything. It was the holidays. I mean, I ate my weight in, in Christmas cookies. No, no, no. But on <laughs> New Year's Eve specifically. Oh, my- Tom cooked for like 60 people between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So that we can't fit all that into one segment. Yeah. New Year's Eve, he only cooked for like 12. So we could do this one. It was, it was 11, six adults and five kids. <laughs> so for the kids, that was easy. We threw some chicken fingers in the oven for anyone who didn't like the, uh, the, the main course, the main meal that I was going to make. Um, but yeah, no, Mike knows that I, as I get older, I've got, I've got two kids and my friends have kids. And so New Year's Eve is spent, um, instead of, you know, partying in the streets until dawn, it's spent, uh, cooking dinner and then going to sleep promptly after midnight. And, uh, getting a good night's sleep. So, but what did, what did I do? I made, um, hmm. We did a, a big sort of like eat all night sort of meal. So we started with, we started with cheese, went to the cheese shop, got a bunch of cheese. Then I made, um, I made oysters Rockefeller. I spent a lot of time out, out East, um, out on the North Fork of Long Island. And that's where we were for New Year's. Um, so we went to the fish market, um, I, I'm not going to call out my fish market because the fish market that I usually go to ran out of oysters. They when I the showed one that up, you took me to? Yes. Oh. When I showed up at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they were like, nope, we sold like 1,800 oysters already today. We're waiting for more to come in. We have our bay men out there trying to get oysters, and but we can't get we can't supply them fast enough today. So, um, so I had to go to a different – shame on me. I had to go to a different oyster farmer – to get my oysters. <laughs> Were they blue points? No, blue points. I don't eat blue points. <laughs> Plebeian blue points. No, I, I, do, uh, I do enjoy blue points, but I, the house that, uh, that we were at on the North Fork is, um, we're just surrounded by oyster farmers. So I believe they were Faconic Golds, but I'm not sure. Um, but we, I just made, I made Rockefeller. I made two dozen oysters Rockefeller. So with cream spinach on top and baked, or how do you do? Um, Everyone does oysters Rockefeller a little differently. Yeah, there's no real there's no real recipe for oysters Rockefeller, right? It's just it was invented at was it Anton's? I think it was. I don't know, but we're gonna do a segment on oysters yeah, Rockefeller. Yeah, well, it was invented in New Orleans, and um, the the restaurant that invented it never revealed the actual uh, recipe. But the way that I do it is I do um, lots of spinach, lots of garlic, um, sautéed together. A uh, little white wine, some Parmesan cheese, some panko breadcrumbs, stuff the oysters, um, you know, shuck the oysters and then stuff the oysters with that filling and then drizzle some pernode on top. Mm. Um, throw them under the broiler for five or ten minutes until they get nice and brown and um, warn your guests that they are hot because people will want to dig in as soon as they come out of the oven, but they are bubbly and hot and delicious. So... Anyway, that's, that's my Oysters Rockefeller quick little recipe. So that's course one, course, cheese and oysters. Cheese and oysters. Um, there, was, there was a shrimp cocktail course in there somewhere too, but that doesn't count. That's just always out. That's just snacking food. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we did uh, – oh, so like maybe five or six years ago, um, I was doing research on New Year's traditions, and I remember hearing about this from my grandfather that they, who was Italian that they did um, – Cotechino and lentils. So, Super 
super Italian. Oh, man. So cotechino is a sausage that they make really only on New Year's. They eat it on New Year's Eve, and it's very rich. It contains, like, pieces of pig skin. It's, like, it's this really rich sausage that has these um, crazy spices. It's almost like nutmeg spices. I'm sure there's nutmeg in it. So it's not like your typical, like, Italian sausage. Um, and you, you typically eat this at midnight too. Yeah, yeah. We did not eat it at midnight. No, but you were asleep. <laughs> we actually stayed up to like one in the morning. Whoa. Yeah, I know. We were wild. <laughs> we were watching Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve and going crazy. Um, no, so we, you, Kotakino, you simmer for a long time. You simmer for a couple of hours. Um, we, we take it out, slice it into little discs and serve it over lentils. And it's supposed to look like, um, it's supposed to look like coins, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to, you know, give you good luck for wealth in the new year. So we did cotechino and lentils. Um, then for the main course, we did a uh, – I like to do large format meals. I like to do giant, you know, roasting pigs and making amazing paellas and all of that stuff. Um, but for New Year's Eve, um, I sent my wife to the store, and I said, look – I want you to get whatever sort of large format meat that you can find. And she texted me a whole bunch of photos. She texted me photos of like, um, you know, racks of lamb and, and racks of pork and crown roasts of pork. And then she sent me a photo of this giant whole leg of lamb. And I was like, that's it. That's the one. So I, um, I smoke roasted it. I put it on my big green egg imitation, big green egg that I have, this giant smoker. And... I smoked it for probably like three and a half hours when all was said and done. Rubbed it down with some um, grain mustard, rosemary, garlic, salt, pepper, and it was delicious. And I, one, I still have like five pounds of it. At home. I'm waiting for one day when we talk about this, you're going to be like, yeah, I smoked it for five hours. I rubbed it with this, that, and this, and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I did that was like a total experiment that made it all worthwhile was – um, so when you smoke something, you're supposed to have a, a pan of liquid to keep the, mm-hmm. you know, to keep the environment moist. So like when you're smoking something for barbecue, um, you want it to be smoky and moist inside the smoker. So what I did was instead of using water or beer, I used, um, maybe four or five cups of Pinot Noir in like a little aluminum tray. A bottle. Uh, yeah, like a bottle of, mm-hmm. of Pinot Noir. Um, put that right underneath the lamb for drippings threw some onions in it, a sprig of rosemary, and some garlic. And when I took the lamb off, I took that reduced wine out and then put it on the stove and reduced it a little bit further, and it became this, like, really smoky, awesome, like, demi-glaze that you could just pour on top of the lamb. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. That's science. Oh, man. It, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apparently, it was science. I don't know. It was an experiment. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I tried it, and it was delicious. I just wanted to drink it all. Um, so, <laughs> yes. So that's, uh, that's what I cooked. And if you've ever listened to our podcast, you know that I did not make a dessert. Dessert is something that I delegate to people to bring. So... There were cakes and pies and lots of leftover Christmas cookies. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was my, that was what I ate this week. What did you eat this week? Uh, so my girlfriend's very smart and she went to Hawaii for New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. Um, so I was very jealous of her. <laughs> so I needed her to be jealous of me. So I went to my local butcher uh-huh. and I was going to get like a filet, but they had um, 
a bone-in cowboy ribeye. Oh, the tomahawk. Yeah, I texted you a picture of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I, I bought that, and then I went and I bought some polenta, and I made uh, – I have uh, tru- white truffle salt, mm-hmm. which I, I did a chicken stock polenta and the white truffle salt. So it was like this really rich polenta with yep. truffle flavors. And then I um, – I, but I never do a steak with butter because it's like – it's better, but it's like so bad for you. Have you have to. You gotta no, I, I do it with butter. olive oil. No. But I, I bought Kerrygold butter and used almost the entire block of it. Wait, <laughs> I cut I cut uh, garlic in half and just threw it in the pan with the sprig of rosemary. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Paste it. So you oh. Do. Mike's drooling. And like, <laughs> she wasn't jealous because she was in Hawaii. Of course. But I was happy. So, <laughs> and I I told the butcher I was like, my girlfriend's going away, so I have to cook something good. And he's like, you're the second person that said that today. <laughs> Nice. That's how I cope. Instagram jealousy. (laughs) Fear of missing out. (laughs) Great. Well, that was, uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully there's going to be more of these segments. I think next week I want you to, you to go on. I I really dominated this segment because of my New Year's next week. Well, you, you cooked. Yes. It's not, I worked. You cooked like you hosted. Yeah. But next, next week I want to hear what you made or what you ate or something that's, that's really awesome. So, yeah. And if you, if everyone who's listening wants to send in pictures of their meals, tag us. Hashtag ha- also. Hashtag us. Put it, you know, put it up on Instagram. If you're a foodie or not a foodie, if you're putting it up anywhere, hashtag not a foodie. We're always looking at it. Tag us at not a foodie show on Instagram, on Twitter, whatever. Um, so that's it. We'll be right back. This is the not a foodie radio show on Radio Rampa, 620 a.m. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. I told you we were going to have some fun surprises on the Not A Foodie radio show. told you we were going to have some good guests. And today, our first guest Inaugural. Our inaugural. That's the theme of the day, inaugural. Our inaugural guest on the Not A Foodie radio show is a chef who... Hails from all over the place. Uh, it's Chef Rose Treore. Rose, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate <laughs> it. Appreciate Thank it. you. Definitely. So, so I, I mean, you've traveled everywhere. You are from originally from D.C. and then Ivory Coast and the yep. Pacific Northwest, and now all you're around, in New York all City. Around. Why don't you give us a little little history? Because I know that you you've traveled around a lot. You come from a very diverse background, and that has mm-hmm. a really a, like influenced your your food and your ingredients, I can imagine. How many languages do you speak? I speak French and English. <laughs> li- I speak, you know, kitchen Spanish, yeah, as they would yeah, say, you know, <laughs> get, getting around. <laughs> but um, as far as, you know, background, I was born in D.C., raised in Seattle, between Seattle, Ivory Coast, and Paris. You know, obviously with that to start with, you fall in love with different cultures and you fall in love with the fact that traveling expands, you know, your knowledge. Being between Ivory Coast and Paris, I went to college in Portland, Le Cordon Bleu, where 
I, you know, just wanted to know more about the art of food, the history of food, and why certain things happen. So what made you, were there, were there food memories growing up? Like, did, were, you, were you always around food, like cooking growing up? For sure, up? for sure. I had my, I would, I got to give credit to my dad because he would always, it would just be his thing to always have us know more about our culture. It's mm-hmm. awesome. And also the food. So we would, he would always, you know, have a full meal at the dinner table. That would range from your stews to your braised fish to, you know, my stepmom even. She was from Guam. So that's, you know, some islander wow. in there yeah. that were able to, like, you know, get introduced to at a young age. So he had, this, he had the skills, and, but no one really knew the whys. You know, that's, that's just, you know, my grandma showed me this. This is yes. the way I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> no recipes, you know, just throw it all in. Honestly, one of the reasons that I started the the Not a Foodie blog years ago was to just to document all of those recipes that I grew up with. My yeah. grandfather was a was a big cook. Um, I, I don't think he ever followed a recipe in his life, but you know, I grew up Italian, so it was always a Sunday sauce. Yeah. And, and I just knew I felt like it was in my blood. I knew how to make a Sunday <laughs> sauce. Uh, my other grandfather would was like the frittata king during the summertime. It was just frittatas all frittata the time, all day. Frittata yeah, life. Frittata <laughs> life. Hashtag frittata life. But I, I started the blog I, just so that I could so that I could force myself to really document that stuff and do a little bit more research. Mm-hmm. And it sounds you know sounds similar. So yeah. what was what, what was it like going to uh, to culinary school? How long how long ago? That was about. Nine years. Nine years ago. Nine years. Yeah. So the celebrity chef thing is, had still, you know, happened, right? Like the celebrity chef yeah. thing was around, and as far as like the images, like the, yeah, like there was, you know, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Of course, you had, you know, Anthony R.I.P. Anthony Bourdain that yeah. Yeah. was one. I, I read Kitchen Confidential in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went for hospitality management. Yep. In one sitting, okay. I it's, opened it, of course, and then I finished yeah. it. And closed it's it. just you know. So relatable, and he inspired me. I found out about him, you know, as you know, as I was in school, and he just continued to just inspire me, like he inspired you know many other people. Mm-hmm. And until this day, he is one of the people that I actually you know t- take some wisdom from, yeah, to project my own vision as like you know not only a chef but a TV personnel and you know. A leader, if you would say, in a well, sense. And I also think that um, you know, f- from following you and from knowing you over the years, you share a similar passion for um, for travel and exploring other cultures as as Bourdain did. Yeah. I mean, you you've traveled all over and you've cooked mm-hmm. all over, right? You do pop ups for yeah. I've been, I started this um, pop up in London. It started in London and it expanded throughout Copenhagen, Amsterdam. And Paris, you know, as the years like went by, I slowly figured out, you know, my mission and what I want to do to make myself happy and satisfied. And that was to like highlight amazing young chefs around the world, create, give them that platform as a private chef Mm -hmm. to come on these journeys with me around the world, cook for some amazing people. And it's just a different it's different. It's a whole, totally different world from just the kitchen, right? I appreciate the kitchen. I, you know, it's something that if you want to know what this world is about, the culinary world is about, 
you need to experience that. But as an opinion, there's no, there's nothing wrong to have options. And if you want to be on this platform where you get to experience these things and we are able to discuss our, some would say mental health or mm-hmm. um, the pay is, you know, mental health more. in the restaurant it's industry is it's not talked that's been about going on enough. for a very long time. And, you know, I, I experienced that, you know, not only from working in the kitchen, but always trying to, you know, stay up top of my game, giving the people enough. Right. And, you know, when you have a community that isn't scared to just express themselves and know that they're not going to be judged because we all experience it and we're going to use all that energy and just cook some amazing food. Right. There's nothing more beautiful than that. It's, I mean, it's great. The, the pop-ups um, really highlight, you know, your, your passion for, for social issues mm-hmm. and, and for change and, for, um, and just for leadership. And I yeah. get that from you. I get for that, sure. you know. Like how many times we all know these amazing restaurants. And we are, I am so grateful to, to like have the opportunity to work in some of these amazing restaurants with some of these incredible chefs. But there's also nothing wrong to know those guys that are in there day in, day out that are giving you that amazing dish that this amazing chef introduced to him. Right. Some people are, some chefs I ran, ran across, they're like, dude, I just care about being in the kitchen. I'm, this is it. You know, and that's your choice. But for me, I want to be- create this platform and be the face of this or have, you know, a voice within this culinary world. Yeah. And yeah, it takes more than just being a chef. Like, great. You know how to cook. Like, <laughs> you know, when you're in that industry, it's like, great. You know, what else are you doing with your talent? Well, for what you're doing, you, know? you need to be able to travel. Exactly. You you can't be no you can't be an executive chef at a, a restaurant. Nor is it what I I'm looking for at the moment. Yeah, you know, so it works out because if I could take my talent that I've learned at these restaurants and be able to like you know take it across the world at different stations, why why not instead of just being stuck in one area? Right. Right. And so that's led you to a number of really, really interesting opportunities, right? I mean, you've cooked for some some pretty famous people. and Yeah. Um, like, can you talk about that? Or I mean, you... I had a pleasure to cook for great friends. Some are, like one is in London, Hector Bellerin, you know, such an amazing mm-hmm. guy. And it just has opened up a lot of doors, you know, simply by my love of food. You know, at the end of the day, it's just... I want to express myself and express how others are feeling, feeling, but they don't have that. We just have different motives, if that makes sense. Like you know, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. No. There's. I, it's not every. It's not everyone. You can't do it all. Let's just say that you got to choose and w- balance things out. Well, and it's nice w- meeting these people. Meeting people who um, are inspirations, and yeah. you know, and who really have you know a lot of knowledge in in different fields. It's nice because I always say that you you just can sort of take what you need from people like that. Of course, you know? it, yeah. it, and hope that the best rubs off on you. Of course, um, and that's it, that's what experience is, right? Mm-hmm. It's experience, and to be honest, these other young chefs they look at they look at me from like, wow, like what? How did you you know start this thing? And little do they know is that they inspire me 
just as much, if not a little more, just because of what they've been able to build, but there's no light shedding on them. Like, you know, um, to be 25 and to run a restaurant, like being a CDC in Amsterdam or, you know, being owning three other restaurants by the age of 28, you know, that or even 30, that is incredible, you know. And there's a few films that are coming out that you will see where I'm highlighting chefs from Noma that used to work at Noma, um, Christian Bowman, the owner of 108 at the... Where's 108? 108 is in Copenhagen. Is it in Copenhagen? Yeah. Yeah. 108 is in Copenhagen. And, you know, this segment is simply, it's like, you know, me, I had five hours left in Copenhagen. I went to check him check out his restaurant, tried some, some of the most amazing food, and also talk about sustainability. I mean, that's... The, the, yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's sustainability and how you can contribute to the to the you know and I, I, to the world you know rather than just once again it's great you're a chef it's great you know how to cook but what are you doing with i agree your you know everybody has a responsibility exactly. to the world yeah to do the right thing well and mm-hmm. and the restaurant industry um i mean for Besides years feeding you know mm-hmm. yeah for years there's there have been just lots of issues in the restaurant industry that um, that were sort of swept under the table and <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. And and that's a good thing. So yeah. you know, you're talking about mental health. You're talking about mental health in the culinary world. You're talking about me too mm-hmm. in the culinary world. You're talking about sustainability and yeah. how a lot of the stuff that we're eating is really not what we should be eating no. because it's ruining the planet. And and I think that food for social change is is such a, a interesting vast topic. Yeah. Um, and it's good to see someone who is, you know, mm-hmm. who is sort of taking up and using their platform to, to talk about that. Yeah. So I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about what you're doing this weekend coming up. You've got the um, James Beard dinner. Yes. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. January so, 11th. January 11th. This, yeah. this Friday, I believe that is. Yeah. So um, Next. anyway, we'll talk about it uh, and we'll be back in a couple uh, minutes. Thanks for listening to the Not A Foodie Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking for ways to reach a large, influential cooking and restaurant-loving audience? We've got multiple marketing solutions available. Contact info at notafoodie.com for more information. We're back with the Not A Foodie Show and special guest Rose Traore, Chef Rose Traore. So, Chef, we're talking about social issues and food and talk about being a private chef, but you've got something pretty cool coming up um, Friday, January 11th. Um, yes, you're, sir. You're going to be cooking at the James Beard House in New York City. I am. First stop in New York City, and I'm very excited to, you know, finally just... I, I always say it's nine years in the making. Let's just say that. Nine <laughs> years in the making. Your and triumphant th- return. Exactly. Yeah. Nine years in the making with everything that I've, you know, experienced and... Tech, from techniques to collaborating with some amazing chefs that I met along the, along the way, that's what you will get. So what's what's the dinner? What it's a it's a tasting menu. It's a or, it's gonna be a five course meal. Okay, you know, we're gonna start from you know some small apps, but prior to the five course, we're doing five pass hors d'oeuvres. Oh, know? 
some cool. of the past hors, d'oe- hors d'oeuvres that I'll be serving is, you know, your roasted Brussels sprouts with some fried chicken skin, lemon Meyer nice. yogurt, and, you know, some shaved almonds. It's very simple, very, you know, fresh, but you and you can never go wrong with some Brussels. <laughs> Is what I say. You can also you know. never roasted? go wrong with chicken skin. No, on chicken anything. skin. Oh my God. Are we roasting the Brussels sprouts? We're roasting, roasting Brussels, Brussels sprouts. sprouts. And yeah, some <laughs> chicken skin, like you said, you can never go wrong. We have some butternut squash with smoked apples nice. and like an onion jam. So many elements within that small dish. I'm excited for that. <laughs> so the the Beard House, like what an honor to get to be able to cook there. The, Definitely. I would would have never... Imagine, you know, cooking at, you know, the James Beard house 10 years ago when I was in school. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't think about it even five years ago, seven years ago, if you would say that, you know. But um, I'm ready now. And is it is it something that um, I I, I know we've got the menu here. I'm looking at Mm -hmm. the menu. Are these dishes that you've had to put a lot of thought into? Is is there a little pressure cooking at the James Beard house or are you sort of like? I mean, I'm going to cook what I'm going to cook. You know? I'm going to cook what I want to cook, but it's also everything that I've like been able to learn throughout my journeys, what, my journey, whether that was in Paris, Amsterdam, Copenhagen, and back to my time in, at the Nomad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Cooking delicious food is what we're all about. And right. it's another you know, service, you know. Right. But... It's a service. It's a service for food lovers. It's a service. You love amazing food. I'm so excited about the rabbit confit and braised cabbage. Oh man! So yeah, I'm looking at the menu yeah. now. Yeah. I mean that that actually that that is, jumped out at me because mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of rabbit. Yeah, definitely I, you, confit. You know, I've never had rabbit. Never. Oh, so my check babe. check this out. Though. Oh, I had man. a pet rabbit in college, <laughs> <laughs> and like I got never eat dog because I had a, I've had dogs my whole life. If somebody gave me rabbit, mm-hmm. I would eat it. But yeah. I would never go to a restaurant I think, and I think, order, order rabbit. Yeah. I think he's hinting that he wants an invite. See, and, see with this, <laughs> the, the, the thing with this is it, the ticket sold out in less than 24 hours. Oof. Oh, wow. And so that really just took it off the roof. <laughs> yeah. But I'm work, I have a few more projects in, How many in the tickets? States. 70. Nice. 65, 70. But... My next pop-up will be at Soho House in New York. And, oh, wow. Um, so do you have a date for that yet? or That you... is January 24th. Wow. All right, yeah. cool. So if people want, uh, you know, so again, January 11th, he's at Beard House, but that's sold out, right? Yeah. So the next time you're going to be able to experience his cooking is at Soho House, January yeah. 24th. 24th. Yeah. Um, so should people should follow you on uh, yeah, the Instagram? Yeah, or... the best way to just see where I'm at. Is just following Rose Traore, R-O-Z-E-T-R-A-O-R-E on Instagram, and you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that's that's awesome. I mean, I'm looking at this menu, and like that, like I said, that rabbit confit um, sort of jumps out at me. Um, Ribeye and anchovies. The, that yes. that is going to be, you know. We're decadent. very big anchovy guys. We are. are you? Yeah. See, I just released a video the cab, uh, the, the short cauliflower, the steaks. cauliflower. You know, there's some people that aren't fans of anchovies, but you don't know what you're really missing. Yeah, well, and you don't tell them that there's anchovies. If you're using anchovies just to give like and that's, a mumami, exactly. You know, like f- it's, it's just a great flavor. Yeah. You don't have to tell them that there are anchovies. No, <laughs> but it's like you need to try that. I made yes. a puttanesca for my girlfriend. 
And she's like, I don't do anchovies. I was like, all just right. just eat it. Like just, <laughs> just eat it. Like that's it. Like yeah. if you don't like it, yeah. we, we'll order something. He like, texted me. Like, he texted me. He's like, she doesn't like anchovies. I'm like, you just chop them up and put them in it. Don't <laughs> done, tell her. Done. Just don't tell her. <laughs> as long as there's no uh, allergic reaction or anything, you're good. <laughs> the potatoes with the dry aged beef ribeyes, we're gonna um make kind of like it's gonna be like kind of like a gratin. Oh, nice. And um that within itself, you know. If you're a big fan of, you know, potato cream and just mm-hmm. st- this whole menu is mixed with simplicity and some classic techniques. That's I'm looking at it and it, I feel like it's very classic. A lot yeah. of the stuff or, um, you know, like the rabbit confit is is a classic mm-hmm. dish. You know, anything that's braised like that. Of course. Um, you know, ribeye, obviously. It's a steak. Yeah. Who doesn't you like have your steak? daikon pear. It's very, you know, light as an introduction. And you get the citrus reduction is, you know, amazing, too. It's one of those things where you have fresh, sweet, tangy, you know, taste. <laughs> but the daikon really cleans your palate in a sense. What's your what's your favorite thing to cook? Whether it's not it, it doesn't have to be on a James Beard menu. Mm-hmm. You could tell me it's like, you know, reheating KFC yeah. mac and cheese. Like, yeah. Like, what's your favorite It definitely thing? isn't the KFC, but <laughs> I just enjoy making a braised fish. Braised fish. I Ooh. love braised fish, or you could even say, like, some pulled chicken tacos. Nice. That, like, that's, like, yeah. my comfort. Yeah. Some braised fish with some couscous. Did you? Did I read somewhere that you had a, there's a background in fishing? Is that in your family, or? My dad, actually. Okay. He um, was a fisherman, like, out. Out in out in the sea, and that, in the you know, Pacific Northwest. Yep, Arctic Storm is wow. like you know w- what he did, and that he would be gone for like six months at a time, wow. and just brutal, That's crazy, yeah. But it was pretty fun going on a you know boat at a young age, you know, just like, seeing yeah. like you know all these like hefty guys. And oh, just, I, like, I love it. <laughs> My like, first wow. job was working on a party boat, baiting hooks. And, yeah, and like I I love it. I have a small fishing boat. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big fisherman. I love it. Yeah. yeah, and then also with the whole I being from Ivory Coast, it's all about you know fresh seafood, fresh mm-hmm. fish. You know, um, I'm very excited about this dinner, and very happy to just introduce. Like, you know, myself to new new guests that I haven't met before. Gotcha. You're, well. you're using um, most 99% of times when I look at a tasting menu, I'm pretty familiar with everything. But I've never heard of piquito crab before. Yeah. So piquito crab, it, it's, you know, it has this, it's it's a little more sweeter than, you know, your your other crab. It's um, You could find it in South Car- South Carolina. Like, it's using a lot of. Your southern dishes. Yeah. Nice. I've seen them um, on, like, crab toast and, yeah, and things like that. For and, sure. Yeah. Well, Chef Rose, I mean, thanks for thanks for coming on. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks if you for being our know, first guest. Yeah. Of course. Inaugural. Of course. <laughs> inaugural. If you want to know more as well, check out ChefRose.com. And once again, on it's Instagram. Chef R-O-Z-E, right? R-O-Z-E. Mm-hmm. ChefRose.com. On Instagram, Rose Traore. R-O-Z-E-T-R-A. O-R-E. You Did got you it. Did you how to spell your last name for a second? <laughs> and, un- and unfortunately, you're not going to be able to get tickets for the James Beard dinner that's coming up this Friday. But um, he's got other things. And I definitely encourage you to follow um, Chef Rose on, on Instagram because he's got some really great content. And it's sort of the only way you're going to know about his pop-ups. And 
He's not cooking at a restaurant. He's not, you know, not something that is easily accessible. So um, follow him on, on Instagram. And again, thanks a lot. We'll be right back. The Not A Foodie Show, 620 AM, Radio Rampa. Chef, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from The Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking for ways to reach a large, influential cooking and restaurant-loving audience? We've got multiple marketing solutions available. Contact info at notafoodie.com for more information. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Welcome back to the Not A Foodie radio show on Radio Rampa, 620 a.m. So, Mike, not not a bad show for our first inaugural uh, inaugural show. Um, So one of the things that I think we should end with every week is what are you going to do tonight? What today? It's Saturday. You're going to go home. You're going to pour yourself a cocktail, make yourself a cocktail. I'm going to go buy a cocktail. You're going to go buy a cocktail. I don't take work home with me. <laughs> so, you, so I either drink things neat. Okay. I, I don't make cocktails at home. You make them at my home. Yeah, because that's not my, that was vacation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it was your booze too, so it was fine. <laughs> so, so what are you going to drink tonight? Uh, I've been really into this drink called a paper plane. The paper plane. Yeah. I don't, I've never heard of it. What it's is a, it? It's a milk and honey cocktail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's milk and honey, the bar, the yeah. RIP. Yes. Um, for people that don't know what's milk and honey, it was kind of like the first like great New York city cock, like the, the Renaissance of cocktails from yeah. like the last like 10 years or so. It's that was of, like one of the uh, pioneers of it. It sort of set the, um, the whole speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Vibe. Like it was a speakeasy type of place and you had to know the phone number to get in. The door opened up and yeah, I, it was from my early days in the East Village. I don't think I was 21 the entire time it was open. Something that you'll realize from listening to the radio show is that Mike is young and I am old. <laughs> so, so when Milk and Honey was around in the East Village in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was going there. Yeah. <laughs> Mike was not born yet. <laughs> but I appreciate what they did. Yes. So anyway, paper airplane. So paper plane. Paper plane. It's uh, three quarters bourbon. Uh-huh. I, um, you know, just maker's mark, bullet, nothing crazy. Just ratio wise. Yeah. You're saying three quarters. Three quarters bourbon. Uh-huh. Three quarters Aperol. Ooh. Three quarters another Amaro. You would love this drink, actually. Three quarters another Amaro. Usually most bars have like Montenegro. Mm-hmm. And then uh, three quarters lemon juice. Well, so does it matter what Amaro? Eh, I mean, you wouldn't want to use like Fernet or something. You'd want to use something more like, more like, uh, it's kind of like a play on a Boulevardier. Okay. So something more in that style. Because you and I know how crazy the spectrum of Amaro can be, but most bars usually only have one or two ready to, they usually have Aperol, Campari, and then like an actual Amaro. So for um, this drink, you, you're saying Aperol mm, and Montenegro. Yeah. Okay. And then three quarters lemon juice. All right. Let's go through it again without yeah. me interrupting you. Three quarters bourbon, three quarters Aperol, three quarters Amaro, three quarters lemon juice, shaken. Uh, sorry, not shaken. No, shaken. Uh, citrus. Shaken okay. and then just 
in a coop. No ice, no nothing, just up. Up in a coop. Mm-hmm. Ah. I, I like to do a lemon twist with it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I um. So th- this past weekend, um, or this past week over the holidays and everything, I discovered um, uh, I discovered a new cocktail. I, I mean, I, I had heard of it before, but I discovered that I like drinking it. Um, the Toronto. Do you know the Toronto? No. Is there Clamato in it? <laughs> no. No, we were joking. A, Tor- a, 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 a Toronto is when you politely open up a little vats and get into a hockey fight with somebody. <laughs> no. A t- the Toronto cocktail, um, I don't know the history of it. I don't know where it was invented. But it is two ounces of rye. Um, so I just use I, whistle pig. I yeah no I don't use whistle pig. I use old Overholt. That's all my that's mm-hmm. my like go to rye that, these days. That's a good one. Um, so two ounces of rye, a quarter ounce of fernet, uh, fernet branca. Um, Mike and I differ on our opinions of fernet. I think he's coming around. No, I wouldn't have an issue with a quarter of ounce of fernet in a cocktail. Okay, and I did an Argentinian now, so <laughs> they they drink it with coke. Yeah. Um, and then a quarter ounce of simple syrup and a couple dashes of bitters, of Angostura bitters. So it's like a old fashioned. Uh, like a... Well, I mean, it's it's in that style of yeah. an old fashioned, but it um, you know it has the fernet, mm-hmm. so it gives it uh, it just gives it a nice it gives it a nice sweetness. What's really interesting is the fernet, which is a bitter sort of herb forward. It tastes like menthol cigarettes and Jägermeister. It does not. All right. That's that's what Mike thinks everything tastes like. <laughs> his, his teenage years. <laughs> um, but, but if you take Fernet Braga and add the simple syrup to it, it um, it sort of lightens it up a little bit. It makes it really interesting. Um, so anyway, two ounces of rye whiskey, quarter ounce of Fernet Branca, quarter ounce of simple syrup, a couple dashes of bitters. I mean, you're supposed to put it in... Um, in over a chilled rock? cocktail glass, not over rocks. Oh. You're supposed to just serve it, sort of shake it up, and then um, let it put it in a cold cocktail glass up, but cold. You mm-hmm. know, you're supposed to mix it with ice. Um, I put it on the rocks. I drink it on the rocks. I, I feel like over like a big rock, it would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was good, but uh, uh, I I just I put it on the rocks because I it what I have it when I'm cooking. So. <laughs> Like as I'm as I'm cooking and as I'm running around the kitchen, I just want to make sure that I have something there that cold. you know that's going to stay cold. You're supposed to garnish it with an orange peel too. Yeah, I did not. Um, but anyway, that's that's what I drank this past week, and I it's sort of like fresh on my taste buds. So after this show tonight, I am going to go home and I'm gonna I'm gonna have my wife, who is the perfect hashtag perfect wife and bartender. Um, make me a cocktail because that's what she like. You she, should... she is the cocktail queen of the house. I cook and she makes cocktails. I feel like you can make a paper plane with everything in your house, though. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. You yeah. should do one. I, I might, I might, but I want my Fernet Branca. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's it. That's it for the Not a Foodie Radio Show. The this inaugural week. episode. The inaugural episode of the Not a Foodie Radio Show. Um, we've got some great guests lined up for next week. We're really excited to be doing this with you guys. Um, we're really excited that you're letting us into your houses and your cars or wherever you're listening to this, into your earbuds. Um, if you want to talk to us, we want to hear from you. If you actually heard this, we want to hear from you. At, Especially if you're a stranger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at Not A Foodie Show. At Not A Foodie Show on Instagram, on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Not A Foodie on Facebook. Um, I am at T-M-I-A-L-E on both Facebook and Instagram. Mike, who are you? At M-I-K-E-M-I-R-A-N-T-I. At Mike Maranti. 
And you can always you can always email us info at notafoodie.com. Um, we really want to hear from you. We want to hear what you love about the show. We want to hear um, any segments that, that you want to contribute to. If you want to uh, call in and, and ask us questions, we'd love to hear that. If you want to email us questions, that'd be great. So anyway, thank you for letting us uh, letting us entertain you for the last hour. And I am Tom. I'm Mike. And this is the Not A Foodie Show. We'll see you next week. See you next week.